We do uh, want to wish you uh, an encouraging Mother's Day. And uh, the message today is one that applies to moms, but it really applies to all of us. So it, it is a message for everyone. Because it has to do with waiting. And, you know, you really stop to think about it. We spend so much of our lifetime waiting on something, don't we? Um, on a daily basis, we wait for our next meal time. Some of you, I know you're already waiting for what's for lunch, right? Thinking about it and what you're going to do. Um, but we wait in checkout lines. We wait in traffic. Uh, for having a rough day, we wait for the day to be over. Some people that have trouble at night sleeping or they're uh, having an illness during the night, they just can't wait for morning to come and for it to be daytime. When we are younger and in school, we can't wait for the holidays or waiting for summer break. And by the way, teachers, I hear you, you're waiting on that too. Um, but when we get older and we get jobs, we look forward to vacations. When we've worked a long time, a long career, we look forward and we wait on retirement. On and on and on it goes. And especially when we're going through a difficult time, we wait until the days will get better. And it's not easy. And though every day we're waiting on something, we only really become aware of it and conscious of it when we're going through a time of pain and impatience. And we want to achieve what we're waiting on or we want to see it happen. Think about, since this is Mother's Day, that process of pregnancy. When the mother becomes pregnant, during that time, of course, it takes time for the child within her to develop. And then her body has to get ready to be able to deliver that child in the world. And so God is at work in this entire process while we wait. But there are some things that we can do while we wait, and that's what I want to talk about today. Because there is a purpose, there is a purpose in the waiting. Romans 8.25 says this, If we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Now, some of you might disagree with that because you say, I don't wait patiently for things. I just want to see it happen now. But that word patiently, literally in the Greek, it's hupomone, and it means to, to wait with endurance. So it doesn't mean that you're just calm while you're waiting. It doesn't mean it's easy while you're waiting. It is identifying. It can really be tough while you're waiting for something to happen. But God teaches us to do it with endurance. He wants to help you get through that time because there is a process at work. This is a quick little highlight, a reminder of a message I brought a couple of weeks ago um, on why God makes us wait. And then I'm just going to do that briefly to bring us into answering the question today of what should we do while we wait? But let's review for those of you that were here, for those of you that weren't, uh, hopefully this will be helpful to you. But there's three main reasons why God makes us wait. Number one, it's either because we're not ready. Number two, it could be because others that God wants to involve are not ready. Or three, the circumstances are not right and they're not ready. So waiting is absolutely a time of development. And again, I just gave you that illustration of a pregnant woman. 
her body is not quite ready yet. There has to be a process. Development has to happen within her. The child obviously is still developing. It's not ready. So as the child develops, and then also the circumstances that are outside and surrounding all of that, God is working through all of that, a process of development. Waiting is also a time of preparation. It's a time that God is preparing you for the culmination of what it is you're waiting on. He is also preparing others that he's going to use in that process in some way, maybe beyond even what we would imagine or think or are aware of, because God does work through people. There's a big, big clue for you, big secret, huh? God works through people. He created us. He gives us his spirit. And so sometimes when we're waiting on God to act, God's actually waiting on us to act because he wants to work in your life to help someone else. He wants to work in their life to support you. And so he is preparing all of these things. That's why God makes us wait. And then God is also preparing the circumstances. This past week, um, I went for two days of training in Granville, Ohio. And because of the size of the congregation, I'm often not able to do any kind of hospital visits outside of the the initial area here. But uh, there was one of our church members that has been in the hospital for over a week at Ohio State University. And so Granville is not that far from Ohio University here in Columbus. So on my way there, I left early. I stopped at the hospital to, to visit this person. And uh, after I got done with the visit, it was up on the 12th floor, and I was making my way down to head on to Granville. Well, that hospital, you know, is continually growing, and they're redoing things, and it had been a while since I've been up there, so I was not familiar with the layout. So as I'm leaving the 12th floor, I was looking for the hallway where I got off the elevator, and I missed it. But I saw an exit sign, so I just followed the exit sign. When I got to the exit sign, I looked, and there uh, at the end of the hall was a stairwell. And, you know, I'm like, well, hey, I can use some exercise. And besides that, it's down. You know, it's a little, a little easier than walking up 12 flights of stairs. So I go ahead and I go down the stairwell. And as I'm walking uh, down, uh, you know, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, I, I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe... I want to make sure I get back to the entrance where I was on, so maybe I'll catch an elevator, just ride it down to the the main entry level and go ahead and take the elevator the the rest of the way. Not because I was tired or anything. It was just so random, a random thought. I get to the fifth floor, and by the way, when I was going down, I noticed that every place where you could exit the stairwell, there was kind of like an airlock there where there was another door. So when I'd look through the window of the stairwell door, a brief little airlock area and another door... So, again, I wasn't having any trouble going down the steps, so I just kept coming. But when I got to the fifth floor, for some reason, I thought, well, I'll go ahead and check this one. And lo and behold, I looked through the window of the door, and there was no airlock there. There was a hallway going into the rest of the hospital. So I was like, okay, hey, that works. I'll take it. So I opened the door, go down a long hall, see a lot of activity. I I turn left down a hallway, and then I see, like, this uh, information desk area. And another hallway, don't ask me why I do this. Again, it's just random stuff. Uh, and it's good exercise. So, <laughs> so anyway, I go around this waiting desk. And as I'm walking around it to head down the next hallway, I see these rooms that have glass windows in them about halfway up. And I could see people sitting in chairs. It was like a waiting area for them waiting to go into a particular office in that part of the hospital. So I walk by one, and I just kind of glance, and then as I'm walking down the hallway to start to uh, 
this other location, I look through the window, and literally I do one of these. I look through the window, and as I'm walking, I'm like, that looked like a familiar face. And I literally stopped, and I literally did one of these. (laughs) And I look, and there was two other members of Porterfield sitting there in the waiting room. And so I walked around, and they looked at me, our eyes met, and they kind of stood up, and they were surprised. They said, how did you know we were here? And I said, I didn't. It was, it was just one of those God moments. It was, I call those God appointments. I had no clue. And I can't tell you how significant that was other than the fact that to me it was a reminder of how God can direct us even when we're clueless <laughs> and we think we're lost. God is working through circumstances and timing in our lives and the lives of others. Now, they, he was just there for a checkup, and that was a good thing, but it was, it was just a great connection point. It's something, obviously, I'm sharing with you today, and it's something they'll probably talk about in the future. And I've had this happen to me more than one occasion. And it's a constant reminder to me, again, of how God is working and maneuvering things uh, that we can't even see. So don't be discouraged when you feel like you're kind of lost and you're just kind of wondering. If you're trusting God... Trusting him, he'll direct all those circumstances to bring about the right timing. So anyway, God is preparing us. And also waiting is a time of cooperation and um, coordination. As God is coordinating those things beyond you and outside of you, he wants you to cooperate with him. And so sometimes God is waiting on you. He's waiting on you to take a step of commitment. He's waiting on you to do the next thing that you ought to do before he's going to do the next thing that's going to bring that thing to pass in your life. So it's a time of cooperation and coordination. And then finally, it's a time of completion. So these are reasons why God makes us wait. And I dealt with that more fully in that message, but I wanted to just give you those little reminders. I hope it's helpful to you. But here's the question for today. What is it that you're waiting on right now in your life? What is, what is that big thing that you are waiting to happen? Because waiting does not mean being passive. It doesn't mean just sitting back and doing nothing. There are things that God wants you and I to do while we wait And sometimes it can seem so unfair because we look at other people who aren't trying to follow God, they're not putting the time or the effort or the energy into it, and they just seem to be doing just fine. And sometimes we can think, well, God, I don't understand this. I'm trying to follow you. I'm trying to do your will, and yet I seem to be struggling so much, and then I see these other people who don't even care about you or think about you, and they're doing great. Well, you're not alone. David, King David wrote many psalms about all the ups and downs of life and the emotions that he went through. And there was a time in his life, more than one time, but, but on one of these occasions when he was looking around and he was seeing people who were not following God and he saw them prospering and doing well, and he was thinking to himself, God, I am trying to follow you and I'm being persecuted and nothing is happening the way I'd like to see it happen. And he got upset And so he began to write about some of his feelings. Many of the psalms are recorded uh, in that way, songs. 
This one particular one that we're going to look at today is Psalm 37. So again, if you'll put that reference slide up there and open up the scriptures, however you have them, digitally, uh, on paper, whatever. But Psalm 37, I'm going to read, not the whole passage, just a few verses, because in this psalm, we actually do get some instruction on what we can do while we are waiting for that thing to happen in our life even when everybody else around us seems to be doing fine and we're struggling. So here it is in Psalm chapter 37, beginning in verse 1. See if I read, if you don't pick up on a few of these key words, I think you will. Do not fret because of those who are evil, nor be envious of wrongdoers, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and you shall be fed. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers will be cut off. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. This psalm goes on for 31 more verses, and it has a lot of encouragement and inspiration there to help us to stay with the Lord and to follow him. But in the time that we have today, I just want to go over a few things, key words, key principles that are mentioned in verses 3 through 8. So first of all, in verse 3, the first word is trust. Can you all say that with me together? One, two, three. There you go. So, and it's not just any trust, but we need to learn to trust in the Lord Oh, but there's something else that goes with that while we wait, because that can seem kind of obvious. You come to church and you hear a pastor say, well, trust in the Lord. But there's something else you can do while you're waiting and while you're trusting God and look at those two little words, do good. While you're trusting in the Lord, again, you're not just to sit back and uh, wait on God to do something. You are to be doing something while you wait. Do good for someone else. Consider other people, even in your own suffering, agony, waiting, whatever. Number one, it'll help get your mind off of what you're thinking about. Number two, it'll be productive with your time to help someone else. And it can help you to kind of just forget as much or not to have as much of that focus on what is going on in your life. You know, we're tempted, and this is why we need this reminder because it may seem obvious, but we're tempted when we're waiting on something and going through a difficult time, and we see other people ignoring God, not putting the energy, the effort, uh, the response into God that he would have us do, and we see them prosper, it's real easy to be tempted to say, you know what, what's the use? Nobody else is doing this, I just may as well throw in the towel and go along with it. I mean, after all, other people cheat on their taxes, why not me? Other people have affairs and get involved in all kinds of sexual relationships. Why not me? You know, other people are doing this. They seem to be all right. Uh, they don't give money. They don't go to the church. They don't support charities. They, they don't 
they didn't do all that stuff and they seem to be just fine. They, they drive their big vehicles and they have their big houses. So I think I'll just do that too. You see, it's real easy, isn't it, to, to look around and see what everybody else has and then fall into that mindset to say, okay, well, I'm just going to do what they do because what good is it really to follow God? We need to be reminded. God says, hold on, there's still a better way. Trust in me and do good. Don't give in to the temptations and the impulses of your heart. Here's something that if you want to write this down, hopefully you can remember it, just in case you are tempted in this world of relativism. In other words, well, it, you know, this might be uh, not okay for you, but it's okay for me. Or in this circumstance, it's not okay, but in this circumstance, it's okay. And we try to justify everything. We see it in our government. We see it in decisions that are made. But here's a principle that you need to understand in God's eyes. It is never wrong to do what is right. Can you say that with me? It, I'll, I'll say it one more time. It is never wrong to do what is right. One, two, three. It is never wrong to do what is right. There you go. It's never wrong to do what is right. Trust in the Lord and do good. We can try to justify it. We can try to say, well, I, I know I really shouldn't do this, but it's never wrong to do what is right. And God wants us sometimes to make that hard choice to do what's right regardless of the cost or the circumstances. And here's another thing. It's always right to do good for the glory of God and to help others. So here's the thing. In every situation that you and I face each day, we have a choice to make. We have choices about our conduct. We have choices about our time and what we do with it while we wait. So as you wait on God, remember this principle, to do good. And as you do good, trust in the Lord. Verse 4 gives us another principle, something to do while we wait. Delight yourself also in the Lord, it says, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Some people quote this, maybe you've heard it before, and you say, oh, Mark, that sounds all good, but you know, uh, I, I come to church, I, I do things that God wants me to do, and I still haven't really gotten all that I want. Well, Number one, make sure that your desires are in line with his desires. This verse doesn't mean that if you check the box and you came to church today on Mother's Day and you did the right thing, that now this week you're going to get that material possession that you've been wanting to buy, whether it's a car, a house, a big screen TV, a new phone, you know, whatever. All those things that everybody as consumers we go after and we're enticed to buy. We are a consumer society. And there's blessings in that, but there's a lot of downside in that too because you're always looking at what you don't have and what you need to have next, and that's not healthy. Jesus addressed this himself in his teaching where he said we need to realign our priorities. It's not that these things are bad. All the world seeks after food and clothing and shelter and all of that, and that's not a bad thing. God knows you need those things, but sometimes we put too much of an emphasis on those things to where we're spending all of our time, all of our resources, all of our energy, working overtime, doing whatever so that we can get that next big thing, that next big item for our life. And we're totally missing out on the deeper, richer, more significant things of a relationship with God and even relationships with each other, which 
are more important than any material possession you can have. I spend many hours counseling people and listening to people who have a home, a car, the stuff, but their relationships are in shambles. And I, I haven't asked them this out of respect because I'm just there to listen, but I probably would guess that every single one of those would say, you know what, I'd give all this stuff away if I knew the relationship was healed and right and we were just getting along and it was all good. You know, there are some things that are more important in life than stuff. And that's what Jesus said. So Jesus said, realign your priorities. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's not about a to-do list. That's about understanding that God created you, loves you, wants to have a relationship with you. But you're too busy chasing after everything else to even give God the time of day. And you're missing the most important, valuable thing in life because everything in this life is temporary. When you die, somebody else is going to get your home and your car and your money and all that stuff. And you're going to be left with nothing unless you have one thing. And that's a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the one thing that you can take with you when you leave this life. It's not temporary. It's eternal. The Bible says that not even death can separate us from the love of God demonstrated in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, that relationship with him and his righteousness, and he's going to take care of you. Yeah, you may not have every single thing, but you're going to have what you need. And this verse goes along with it, that when you begin to delight yourself in the Lord, when you begin to turn your life over to him and and set him as a priority, and you begin to find delight in that, what he's going to do is he's he's going to begin to shape your heart, your attitude, your mind, and the things that you used to think was so boring, like sitting in church and listening to the preacher just ramble on and on and on, you'll find that suddenly it becomes delightful. And you actually get some things out of it. And you take it home and you apply it and it's meaningful to your life. There's one that says on and on. I'm just kidding. We love, the, we love the mothers and we love the kids in here. So this is a great Mother's Day. But, but seriously, so if you delight yourself in the Lord, then he's going to begin to give you the desires of your heart because he's shaping your heart to want the right things and it's his great pleasure to give you those things. And I can speak on behalf of that. Things that I used to think I really wanted really bad. And, and let's face it, he, he, he changed my heart and he gave me better things. I'll get to that point. But, but think about this. How many of you bought a phone five years ago and you're happy with it still? Very, oh, okay, okay, good for you. You're delighting yourself in the Lord. Your priorities are right. Great. But I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if, if you're not happy with it. And the same way with the vehicle. You know, after a while, they, they age and, and the new things come out, the new technology, and all of a sudden what was great five years ago is not so great anymore. That's how life is. God wants to reshape our heart to say, I got better things for you that are eternal. You say, well, Mark, that sounds a little bit like manipulation. Well, I've shared this before and I'll share it again. Manipulation isn't always a bad thing. Manipulation can be a bad thing if you're being manipulated in a way that's not good for you or for evil purposes. But I don't know about you, but when I go to the chiropractor, I kind of like to be manipulated. He adjusts my spine, he, he sticks his elbow in my shoulder in a muscle that's all cramped up, or if you're a masseuse, you know, you know how to massage those muscles. You're manipulating things to help bring healing and comfort to a person. 
That's what this scripture is talking about. So don't be afraid to delight yourself in the Lord and he'll begin to manipulate you in a good way and change your heart if you cooperate with him. Maybe you've heard this uh, anonymous poetic verse. It says, I asked for strength and God gave me difficulties to make me strong. I asked for wisdom and God gave me problems to solve. I asked for courage and God gave me dangers to overcome. I asked for patience God placed me in situations where I was forced to wait. I asked for power that I might have the praise of people. I was given weakness that I might realize the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. And I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing of what I asked for, but everything I ever hoped for. God can work in these ways that sometimes we don't understand, but it really is for our good if we'll trust and delight in him. The third thing that we see in this passage, the key word is to commit. Commit your way to the Lord. Go ahead and put that slide up. Commit your way to the Lord. Notice it's not just only your life, but commit your way. That means the way you live, the direction you're going, it means to read what the scriptures say about how to live and how to treat others and, and how to conduct your own life, do's and don'ts and things that are helpful and things that are not helpful. And we need to not just commit our heart to the Lord like uh, some people do. You know, they'll pray and say, Jesus, I believe you died for me. You rose again. Thank you for dying for my sins and thank you for making a home for me in heaven. And then they go on about their life uh, going their own way. And those people are not ever going to reach their full potential in Christ or even their full potential as a human being doing that. You will only do it when you not only just commit your mind and your heart to the Lord, but you commit your way to the Lord. And this is what's difficult in our society because, again, relativism and everything says, yeah, well, I know that's what the Bible says, but this is what everybody's doing today. Oh, I know this is what the Bible says, but, you know, our culture has changed and laws have passed and this is now, we just need to get over it. The ships have sailed. We got to just live in the present the way it is and accept it. And God says, hey, you know, the world may accept it. That's, that's, that's their choice, but I want you to commit your way to my way. Mm. Oh, it gets quiet in here all of a sudden. Commit your way to the Lord along with your heart. That means you do need to study the scripture. It means you do need to get educated about what Jesus wants you to do and doesn't want you to do. And that you love him enough. You love him more than your own desires that can become selfish and all me-centric and begin to commit your way to the Lord to say, God, how can I live in a way that honors you and is good for society overall? Because again, often God is waiting on you to make that commitment before he's going to do the next thing in your life that really needs to happen. You know, when Jesus called the disciples, Jesus didn't go up to the guys that were fishing. Now, not all of them were fishermen. You know, some were tax collectors, other things. But let's just say when he went up to those who were fishermen, Jesus didn't go into the shoreline and go, Hey guys, what are you up to? Can I come along? No. He said, Hey, if you follow me, I'm going to enlarge your life. You're going to have a huge impact on people. I'm going to make you fishers of people. Now he said that to fishermen. If you're not a fisherman, that wouldn't mean much to you. 
to Matthew, the tax collector. He didn't say to the tax collector, I'll make you a fisher of men. He just said, follow me. And it's amazing because Matthew, that tax collector who was good at uh, keeping records and everything, well, we happen to have a gospel named Matthew because he was good at keeping records and accounts, and he gives an accounting of Christ's life. So you see, God has more for your life than what you can even imagine, but you've got to commit your way to him, and you need to trust in him. One last thing on this. Have you ever been in a store where it's really busy and they got checkout lines and they're getting some better at this because they have the self-checkout lines, but this still isn't a total cure. But you're in a long line and, and five rows across and everybody's waiting. So you pick a lane and you get in it and you're waiting to check out and have all of your items checked. And as you're there, you notice the people in this lane to your left is moving pretty fast. And then you look over here and there's people to your right that's moving pretty fast and the lane that you're in seems to be standing still. How many of you have been tempted to jump the line? Yeah, I hear. I've done it more than once. So I I step over and I get into the other line that was moving real fast and then I just get up to where there's only two people in front of me and all of a sudden the person that was up there has a problem. Uh, Okay, I got an amen. And all of a sudden, it's like uh, the line was moving really fast. And I was like, "Um, we got a price check here. Uh, Can I get a manager? And then, of course, the manager is somewhere way off in the store and everybody's waiting. And then I look over and the line that I was committed to that was so slow, the two people that were behind me have already checked out. And they're out of the store and I'm still standing there. So you can relate to that. So this is a reminder that God wants you to just commit to him and stick with it. It may seem like the rest of the world is passing you by, but trust in him, stay committed to him. Don't be tempted to jump the line and get into what seems to be going better. In the long run, you're going to come out ahead. The next thing, and I am bringing this up to a conclusion here, um, the next word, the key word is rest. Rest in the Lord, verse 7 says, and wait patiently for him. Don't fret because of him who prospers in his way because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. That word rest in the Hebrew literally means to just be quiet, to be silent, to rest your mind, to rest your thoughts. In the busyness of your day, are you taking time to just unplug? Turn the news off. Turn your radio off. Put your phone down. Turn your phone off. I'm really going to challenge you. I can't do that. Turn your phone off so that you don't even hear it buzz or anything. And focus your mind on the Lord. Take time to read his word, to pray, or to just rest for crying out loud. It's so easy to get caught up trying to keep up with what everyone else is doing on all the social media and everything that we can just get exhausted. Another example I think most of you can um, relate to is when you're traveling, whether it's on, it tends to be more on long trips on highways or interstates. Our daughter lives in North Carolina, so when we go to see her, we encounter this every time, either going down or going back. But you know, you're on an on a interstate, and for whatever reason, you get to this certain point in the traffic where everybody's driving the same speed, in the, in the normal lane and in the passing lane. And there's like about 20 cars and you're there in the pack. 
And you get competitive. If you're like me, it's like I want to get around these people. So I speed up and I pass. And then I get over out of respect because somebody's crowding me behind. And so I get over and they zoom up. And somehow I realize after 10 miles of doing this, I'm so tense and I'm trying to stay up and keep ahead of everybody that it dawned on me. I, I remember this one trip, it dawned on me. I'm like, why am I such a hurry to keep up with everybody? So I started slowing the car down, my cruise control. It was amazing. Everybody passed me. I was still moving. And all of a sudden, instead of being in this traffic clump, I had all the space I needed. It was awesome. There was no cars in front of me. If a car came up behind me, vroom, went around me, and hey. <laughs> and I just learned to relax. I was still, I think, a, here's the secret, I was still probably doing the speed limit, so that tells you what they were doing. But anyway, sometimes you even have to slow a little bit lower than the speed limit. And it's okay, let everybody pass you, because it will do your soul good. So whatever everybody else is doing in social media or news or whatever, it's okay. Just l let the world pass you by for a little bit because it's impossible to keep up. Focus on your relationship with God. You know, in music, the praise band does such a great job. Our musicians here, all of them do. And in every piece of music, well, not in every, but in many pieces of music, there is a rest that is put in the music, either a rest for singing, where you don't sing in those moments and let the music play, or the music may stop or a certain instrument may stop. And those rests are placed there to help the timing of the song and to help it be more powerful and meaningful. God does the same thing in the symphony or the praise song of your life. He puts some rests in there for a reason and he says, take a break and somebody else is gonna carry this for a while. I want you to rest, and it'll make your life more powerful. So finally, in closing, the last one in verse 8 says, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Because, you know, really, worry doesn't work. <laughs> All worry does is it works on you. It doesn't really work for you. And anger leads to anguish. My mother through a lot of her life, um, suffered a lot of illnesses. And I'm not going to go into all that. I just want to say this, though. There were joys. There were good times. I'm grateful for my mom and my dad. They both have passed on. But through much of my mother's life, she struggled. She struggled with, again, physical illness, a lot, a lot, a lot of surgeries, a lot of recovery, struggled with depression, discouragement. She had a low self-esteem, a lot of heartaches and disappointments. And one thing that I'm thankful for over the years is that she and I were able to have some conversations uh, about these things. Not that I had all the answers, I certainly don't, but we just, we talked about this. And uh, sometimes she allowed things to, you know, get her fearful and worry and fret and angry and upset and it was hard on her, it was hard on us. And I say that respectfully, because again, I love my mom. And, and, she, and she knew that. Well, over her struggle, because sometimes she felt like she wasn't even good enough to make it into heaven. And so I would talk to her about that, to say, Mom, it's not based on your conduct, it's, it's, it's not based on your effort, it's on what Christ has done for us. He does want us to follow him, yes, and all those things, but it, just keep trusting in him. 
And over the years, I saw her doing that, and I was thankful for that, even though she still struggled. And I'm sharing all that just to, to bring it to this, because I can't, when I bring this message on waiting, I, I couldn't help but recall this to mind. <clears throat> um, my brother lives away from here, and so just my brother and I, so a lot of her care fell on me uh, and the people I could get to help me uh, care for her, first in her home and, and then for a while in a nursing home. And it was difficult. And I saw her before she passed. Um, I, I was with her in the hospital, and um, she was having chest pains. And I knew she was kind of worried, but she spoke these words. She said, Mark, you know, just with all I've been through, I just keep thinking about that scripture verse that says, They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. <laughs> And I said, yeah, Mom. I said, yeah, they'll, they'll uh, mount up with wings as eagle, as eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint or however that goes. You know, in the moment, I, I couldn't remember exactly, but we got the gist of it. And it was so good for me to hear her say that. And I'd love to tell you that right after she spoke that, she got healed and she got better. But actually, it was just a few minutes after she spoke those words and quoted that scripture to me that she went into a massive cardiac event. And I had to watch her suffer, and we prayed, and she went unconscious and was unconscious for uh, a day. And that was a long time of waiting. And uh, I kept thinking about that image because, you know, in Isaiah, that passage where it says, those who wait upon the Lord... Uh, will renew their strengths. They'll mount up on wings like eagles. And I think about that when an eagle isn't even flapping its wings. When it's way up high in those lofty cliffs, there's air currents, you know, the hot air rises. And those eagles have learned to just catch a current and they'll, they'll just coast on that hot air. And they'll circle around. But here's the really cool thing. Though they're not, not flapping their wings, it, it looks like they're not doing anything but their pinions, the, the feathers out on the ends of the tips of their wings are going like this. They're, they're working. They're making minute adjustments so that that eagle can keep its balance in the air and, and just keep catching those wings. That's what I want to leave you with today. What do we do while we wait, even if we're going through a tough time? Well, remember these words. Go ahead and, and put those up there in this, in this verse that I've shared with you today. Trust in the Lord, delight in the Lord, commit your way to the Lord, rest in the Lord, cease from anger, don't fret, because, you know, stuff happens, but God loves you. And so you can do these things while you wait, and again, it's like those pinions, you're making those, those adjustments, those things that may seem little to the rest of the world, but they're so important to help keep your spiritual balance. And mom did, for a brief time, recover from that cardiac event enough that she could talk. She was very weak. But one of the other things that I'm so grateful I had the opportunity to hear her say was after she came out of that, and, and you know, again, you might think, well, Mark, you know, gee, what good did waiting on the Lord do? Because, you know, you said she quoted that, and then she had a massive heart attack. Well, when she came out of it, she had enough strength to say, Mark, I'm ready to go. I'd waited my whole life to hear those words from my mother. I'm ready to go. 
So you see, there's, there's things that you can do while you wait. It may take a lifetime. Don't give up praying. Don't give up praying for your kids. Don't give up praying for your spouse or your loved one or your parents or, uh, you know, a relative or a coworker. Don't give up praying while we wait. Whatever it is you're going through, all of these things, notice, they're all centered around the Lord. Because you can trust in things, delight in things, commit yourself to all kind of things. But the thing that's most meaningful is to do these in the Lord. Trust in the Lord, delight, commit, rest in the Lord. And don't fret. I know it's easier said than done. But just rest in Him. Would you stand? Lord, thank you for the opportunity today to share once again these valuable principles from your word that the rest of the world just goes on. And they look for the shiny things of this life and they miss the true gemstones that are buried deep in your word. So thank you for allowing us today to take some time to unearth out of the scriptures these gemstones of what you want us to do that are precious with our life while we wait. Thank you for your plan for us in our waiting and your purposes in our waiting. But help us, Lord, to do these things while we wait and honor you with our life, trust you, and do good that will be helpful to others and glorifying to you. And today, if there's one here listening to this message who has not yet opened their life to you, Lord, help them to do the good thing and to open their life to you and receive you right now as their Savior. Just help them to pray and say, Jesus, I I don't understand it all, but I believe you love me. And I want to receive you into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Help me, Lord, to commit my way to you. Show me how to live. Fill me with your power. Use me for your glory. And for those of us who have prayed that, Lord, help us to recommit to you today and to trust you still in Jesus' name.